Good morning, everybody. I feel like it's been a while since I preached. I'm not sure if it has or not, but it could have just been that I've had long days and late nights. Who knows? But um, I'm glad to be here this morning. And um, today we're going to continue our series on Seek First. And so um, I'm not going to recap what Silas did last week because uh, he's a lot smarter than me. And if I tried to, I'd butcher it. So if you missed it, it was great. Uh, he came from Antioch, Waco, um, and he is on staff there as a counselor, as a therapist, and has done a lot of work with a lot of our church planters and workers all over the world. Um, and he was actually telling me, he said, you know, I'm, uh, I used to take on about 20 to 25 uh, uh, meetings a week. Now I'm up to about 40 a week. Uh, so, man, you better be patient. As he said, I think he mentioned it's 80% of his job is listening, 20% is talking. And uh, so if you're not a good listener, it's probably not the right profession for you. Um, uh, but, man, just so grateful for him. And he spoke uh, in this series, but also just spoke to the reality of anxiety. And even when we read the scriptures as Christians, how it can make us feel overwhelmed or just never like we could do it, or, or maybe that we see God as this, as this demanding God, this presence that just can never be at peace, and it's never good enough, and we translate that into our human relationships, and I just encourage you to go back and listen if you missed it. I think he has some amazing points, and, and for me, it was so helpful as well. Well, today we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 7, um, but as we do that, I just want to mention the whole point behind this series comes from Matthew 6, 32, 33. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Again, reiterating the point that, you know what? God knows everything you need in life, but he's looking for you to seek him, not seek it. Right? We're not going to seek the stuff. We're going to seek him. The person. And if we seek him, the stuff will come. Now, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. And um, in this Sermon on the Mount, as we are here in the middle of it, um, Jesus is going to talk about judging others. All right? And there are times that we are called upon to make judgments, but they need to be in the right context and in the right spirit. All right? So if you got your Bibles, you can look at the screen, Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, you have to remember that Jesus is laying the groundwork for his followers as to what does life look like in the kingdom of God. What does it look like to really follow Jesus, to walk down the narrow road, not the wide one? And when he goes to the Sermon on the Mount, you have to read it in the sense of Jesus is giving clarity 
to some Old Testament laws and commands. Jesus is also elevating everything. He's saying, hey, there's a new standard we are going for. We're not going for status quo. We're not going for average. We are building from here. And so he references pieces and then says, hey, we're going to go to the next level, which as a reminder, the intentions of God, right? Even if you think about going back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are there, right? He's got relationship with them. Everything is right. They choose to eat from the forbidden tree. Next thing you know, sin enters the picture and God speaks to them and says, Adam, where are you? Like he didn't know where they were, right? He knew exactly where they were and he knew exactly what they had done and what they were doing. And yet God's desire from day one was, hey, I know your thoughts. I know where you are. I just want you to be honest with me, to level with me. It was never about the external, right? It's never about the covering up, right? Hence the fig leaves and the rest to cover up the shame. It's never about that. It's he already knows that. He's asking you to be honest and to be forthright about it. And even for us, if you think about relationships, the closest relationships you have are the ones you're most vulnerable with. Now, it's hard, and it's hard to, like, know beyond the surface with us because we all got what? Junk. We all got some junk. We all got some stories we'd rather not tell or kind of just smooth out the edges, right? Like, we don't want to get that vulnerable. Why? Because really being vulnerable and honest means we are exposed. And when you are exposed, it's like, oh, man, the game's up. The mask is off, right? But what we know, and as Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, is that it is good to be exposed. It's good for that light to come in. Because when the light comes in, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness is overwhelmed by it. See, the light overcomes the darkness, not darkness over light, right? We all know the illustration, a little flashlight, a little candle. You do a little campfire in the middle of the park. It's pitch black outside. There's like no moon. Stars are covered. It's cloudy. You do a little fire, and boom, it lights everything up. You can see things. The light and the darkness. So when we are exposed, when we are vulnerable, when we are real, all of a sudden it opens us up to some things which can hurt. So let's talk about this idea of judgment, which typically can happen when we open ourselves up, right? I mean, listen, I'm a dude, and every guy's a little different. I did not grow up, like, sharing what's going on in here. Okay, you had to, like, you had to be a mind reader, okay, because I was going to give it to you. Whether I was a kid, a teenager in college, it's like, how you doing? Fine. You know? Hey, how was your day? Good. Right? Now, I have five children, and some of those children have picked up on those same traits. I don't know if they're genetic or what. Some of them, how was your day? Good. The other one, how's your day? Well, let me tell you about it. I did this and this and this, and I want somewhere in between, you know? <laughs> Not one word. I don't have 30 minutes to talk about that thing. Just looking for maybe a four-minute summary, you know? So if you're a pair, you're like, can I just kind of mesh you two together, right? But for some reason, God likes to play jokes on parents. I usually give you the extremes of yourself. That's the way it goes. So just get ready for that if you're not a parent. 
And so we have this passage in Matthew chapter 7 talking about judgment. I want you to keep that in the context when we talk about community and talking about being vulnerable, being real with each other, which are not like popular topics, right? Like, hey, being vulnerable, open up. It's like, I don't want to do that. Well, I want to do that. Because uh, what happens, right? The thinking is, when I open up, what's going to happen? I'm going to get hurt. And why do we think that? Oh, because it's happened. It's not like some fairy tale. You could all tell me the time you shared what you really thought. Guys, it happened to me in sixth grade. You ready for this in sixth grade? Sixth grade. I just started liking girls. Okay? And I like told a buddy. Big mistake. I was like, hey, dude, keep it a secret. But I like that girl. You know? And, you know, sixth grade. It's like everything's, I mean, it's just emotions are riding high. I'm like, please don't say that, you know? And I was kind of introverted kid back then. I just was like, ooh, it's a big deal for me to say this. Next thing you know, it's like next week. It's like half the school knows. Tyler likes whoever. I don't know who she was. And I'm like, God, I knew the guy. You, you know? And man, in sixth grade, listen to this, y'all. Sixth grade, just from me being exposed of knowing that I liked a girl and it was told to the school and told to her before I ever say anything, you know what that did? Shut me down. Shut down. You know what happened? Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, Ninth grade, you know how many friends I had? Zero. You know why? Because I got hurt, and I let that hurt, as simple and silly as it is, get to me and developed a mindset that said, I can't trust anybody. Period. So it took me getting to ninth grade to a desperate place on my knees one night, crying to my mom, which I do like once a year. Still. Crying, saying, I have no friends. And my mom knew it. And she prayed with me. And God gave breakthrough eventually, and I started having some friends. But that breakthrough wasn't just God sending some friends on like clouds to float to my house. They were there. Their breakthrough was me. Do you understand? But I got hurt in sixth grade. It sounds silly. I don't even remember who the girl was or even who the guy who betrayed me was, you know? But I have no idea. But it hurt. Now sixth grade. And that's like that's like minor leagues, right? So I'm just saying, as we go into this, man, remember, we all have some level of hurt and pain when we've trusted someone, when we've been open, we've been vulnerable, and we've shared our lives. And what God wants for this house, is we're going, what He wants is for us to be a people that are believing the best about each other and holding each other accountable at the same time. But when you believe the best about someone, what you're saying is, hey, you've actually shared some of your past, some of your story. I know where you've been, but you know what? I'm not labeling with you that because I know that God made you for a different purpose. You got into some stuff and that's on you or it happened to you or whatever, how it all happened. That's in the past. That's behind us. I want us to move forward, but I believe in you. You're better than that. He made you for more than that. So I want to believe in you, and guess what? When you choose to get off that narrow path again, who's going to be right there? Hey, bro, come on back in. Hey, man, why are you doing that? Right? So as we go through this, I want you to have that context in mind. That needs to be our heart. Now, I'll share a little illustration with you. Maybe will help us out. A little boy approached his mom one day and says, guess what? I'm seven feet tall. The mother responds, what makes you say that? The boy replies, 
Well, I made a ruler on my own and measured myself with it. And it says that I'm seven feet tall. Unfortunately, a lot of people do the same thing. They literally measure themselves by some rule of their own. Sound familiar? Of course it does. Because it's just taken off to hold at the level the last couple of years. Right? People will believe whatever they want to believe. My truth, your truth, to, hey, that's cool with me. If you want to do that, you want to take that spin, you want to do a grab bag of faith, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, put it together, make it your own, customize it, right? Whatever the standards are, if there is no absolute moral standard, if there is no, um, if there's no higher power, if it's only human power is making this stuff, guess what? We get it wrong like throughout the ages. Just look at history. The smartest people 100 years ago would be considered, you know, a lot of them kind of dumb now because of what they, what they thought, what they believed. Right? And, and it's just because things have developed and grown, and, and it's not there. It's just that that's, that's where things advanced, maybe in science or what they do in history or how to apply things or in medicine. I mean, it's like, gosh, you do not want a surgeon from 1800 doing surgery on you, do you? Nobody wants that. You don't want it because you won't make it. Probably. They did the best they could, right? So when we don't have a standard, as in God's standard, we don't have the word of God. We don't have a standard of truth. We have nothing to measure ourselves against. So what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7, he's going to be speaking to us, talking about having a standard to measure us by. And when you measure someone by the standard of the word of God, that is a right measuring. Right? That's a right judgment. But not just by comparison. Does it make sense? Like, it's not, well, I'm a little more holier than you right? Or I'm a little more, that, that's called comparison, envy, that's sin, it's labeled like a hundred times, okay? We're talking about a standard, and that's what Jesus is talking about, is not a standard amongst ourselves, a standard to the holiness of God. There is a holy standard, right? For us, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and you believe he's the son of God, and that God is holy and righteous and good, and the ultimate judge, then guess what? You've aligned your life to go to his standard, not the world's. The world standard will always be lower than his, right? But that is what he's inviting us into. What's interesting is in this passage in Matthew 7, we see that word, you know, judgment. It can also be translated to condemnation. It's the same root word in the Greek is used in John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That idea of condemning, right? That's what Jesus is speaking to in Matthew 7. We're not to judge in these condemning ways. That Greek word is krino. It's coming to a choice by making a judgment that results in either a verdict in favor of or in a verdict that condemns. We're thinking about in a court of law to judge. It could be innocent or guilty. And the original meaning of this word actually is separate as in separating the grain from the shaft. It's this idea of separation. Now, when Jesus says, do not judge, okay, he's saying this particular kind of judgment, which comes from pride. It's a hypocritical kind. We've all experienced it, and we've maybe dished it out, right? The hypocritical kind, the self-righteous judgment, the kind that imposes harshness 
or a judgmental attitude towards somebody, which in the end um, is not treating them the way that God's asking us to treat them. So when Jesus says, hey, before you go looking at the speck in your brother's eye, your sister's eye, look at the log in your own eye, right? Well, first of all, there's no way you can put a log in your eye. Have you ever tried that? Okay, so some people are like, hey, that's, that's literal. The Bible's fake. You can't put a log in your eye. It gets a hyperbole, right? So Jesus was a carpenter, right? Knows a lot about wood. He dealt with a lot of logs and made them into tables and stuff, okay? A log is huge. It is so, is, okay, we're about to have some fires around here, some campfires, right? Get your firewood. Okay, you don't do a cool fire, a little twig. You're not inviting the bros over, hey, let's cook some hot dogs, you don't twigs. No, you don't do that. It's a log. A log is like this. A log is bigger than your face, usually. So Jesus is really saying, you literally can't even see, man. It's like bigger than your face. You can't even see around it. It's not like, oh, hey, I can see, I can see what's going on over there. Hey, I can see that. No, no, it's not, it's not like that. That's a twig. He would have said a twig. But he said a log. Why do you say a log? Because he wanted to overemphasize how big of a deal it is when we try to judge someone else, even though we can't see clearly. It's like having the veil. It's like, hey, you, I know you're, oh, whoops, right? That, that's what he's trying to get at. It's the recognition of your own sin first. That's the log in your eye. And if someone is willing to recognize their own sin first, which is what he's saying, deal with the log in your eye, recognize it, then that means they have humility. There's some measure of conviction, a willingness to deal with the log, to repent of it, so they can be clear. So that then what? It's not just remove the log, remove it so that then what? So that you can help your brother with the speck. It's not just remove your log and stay over. It's like remove so you can see clearly to then help somebody. That's the heart. The heart is to help another, to help a brother or sister with their speck, but it's always dealing with you, right? I've used this illustration, you guys all know it, right? Whenever you point the finger, you got at least three coming back at you. I try to teach my baseball team this, okay? I'm a little 12-year-old baseball team. At practice, you would have loved it. I don't know if you would have loved it or not. I don't know if the parents loved it, but that's what I did. At practice last Tuesday, I had four of my 10 players in the span of five minutes. We're at practice, doing this little scrimmage deal, and one of them threw their helmet down, Okay, another one tossed the bat, another one screamed, and if you don't know anything, on my team, that is not allowed. There's a zero tolerance. I actually have like a 20, it's like a 25-point contract each player has to sign that I made in order to be on this team. And any one of those points violated could allow me to then remove you from the team. Okay? So it's actually like pretty serious. So they did this. You know what I did? I stopped everything. And at the top of my lungs, I yelled, I'll call it tough love, um, as to how we are going to be as a team. And that they are better than that. And that as young men, we don't act like that on this team. And that that's not how we deal with adversity and challenges. And I probably, it was a probably seven minute sermonette. <laughs> I had, I mean, everyone in the surrounding area stopped what they were doing to listen to the preacher. Um, but you know what though? I was trying to make a point to them 
Because it wasn't just, they were frustrated, they were pointing the finger at each other. You did this and blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. And I said to them, guys, you wanna know something? In baseball, I've never watched a baseball game in my entire life where there wasn't at least one bad call. There's usually like 95% of the time, they're good calls. But all you don't wanna do is focus on the bad one. I said, that's life, man. You'll never get through a perfect day. It won't exist. In heaven it will, but not on this earth. There will never be a perfect day. Every day is gonna have something. Hopefully most of it's good. Some days are pretty tough actually, right? But I made it clear to them that that's not how we're gonna do it. We are not gonna point and blame. I've never been part of a sports in my life where the blaming and pointing helps the team. You tell me. I mean, you've got a great example of it. Like Super Bowl champions or World Series. Oh, no, they went the whole way. They were just totally accusing all the time. Guys are punching each other in the dugout. On the sideline, they were strangling each other, <laughs> kicking each other in the shins. Yeah, you know. You know, on the field, just hitting them in the helmet. Yeah, oh, what are you doing? You don't see that. Those are called losing teams. Okay? And then they usually just implode at some point. There is a right kind of judgment, but it ain't this kind. It ain't you. So when I told this baseball team, I said, boys, most of the time, each of you players know when you mess up. And you know what? It's not your job to tell each other you messed up. It's my job to come over as a coach and help teach you and correct that. But you know what? I'm your coach. I'm not a player. A coach is like a father. Hey, son, I love you. I believe in you. We can't do that. That's not how we roll. It's different than your brother, right? We know that. It's different than your peers when that, and that father-son. So what I believe here is if God is our righteous judge and is he is the standard and he is holding it, he's like, okay, we are to compare ourselves to the holiness of God. It is right, Lord. Yes, amen, right? Because in Sports, guess what? The coach is always right. That's how you get treated. So, hey, I made that call. You follow the orders of the coach. We end up losing the game because of me. That's not on you, it's on me. Or the coach takes responsibility. In this reality, we've got to be willing to deal with the log before we talk about the speck. Willing to not point the finger there, but point it here. And say, Lord, what is it in me? You know, this requires us to be honest and to be humble. And you have to remember that Jesus is speaking to people um, that have been around Pharisees, Sadducees, others just in the city and community. They've witnessed people even with themselves. There's been infighting. He's seen the reality of what happens when we accuse, when we try to demean, we try to belittle, we try to one-up someone. I love this little story I came across. Um, a young couple moved into, the, into their new neighborhood. The next morning, while they were eating breakfast, the young woman sees her neighbor hanging the wash outside. She says, that laundry's not very clean. She doesn't know how to wash it. She doesn't know how to wash it correctly. Perhaps I need to go over there and give her some laundry soap. Her husband looked at her, but remained quiet. Well, Every time her neighbor would hang her wash to dry for several days, the young woman would make the same comments. About one month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice and clean wash in the line one morning. She said, 
to her husband, look, she's learned how to wash her clothes correctly. I wonder who taught her this. The husband said, I got up early this morning and cleaned her windows. Right? All right. Love that. I would love to be that husband. <laughs> Being that coffee. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Now, listen. I don't really want to be that husband because I want my wife to be awesome. But here's the deal, y'all. Whether it's a log or dirty windows, we just need to be real and say, you know what? Before I ever step out and write that email or do that text or make that phone call or say that thing, check yourself. Just check yourself. Hey, hold on. Wait, hold on. So check yourself for two things. You ready? Number one, check yourself as in, are you to blame? Right? Man, there's a terrible friend. They never figured it. Whoa. I didn't, I didn't remember their birthday either. Okay, touche. Right? Check yourself. Is there any fault with me in this relationship, in this situation, in this project, in this thing at work, in this thing at school, in this sports deal? Is there anything with me? Lord, is there anything with me, God? All right, there's a little bit, or there's a lot. Okay, let's deal with that. And then, second thing is, before I say something, do I actually have their best interest in mind? I'm just trying to get them. Because guys, when we're hurting, we want others to hurt. Makes you feel better, right? It's like, they hit you, you want to hit them back harder. That's not the way. That's a worldly way, absolutely, standard, standard procedure. It's like all these revenge movies. You know what I'm saying? Like she does this, him, he does and rah, one of this country. Where's where, where it in? It ends in death. That's where it ends. That's where it ends, just so you know. Revenge ends in death. But the Lord said, let me deal with that. You know, I just want to just highlight just for a moment here about a critical spirit, because I think this whole concept pointing critical spirit, one finger, the three back at you, what we deal with in our society, um, you know, I, I, I think I, I want to mention just a couple of things. Number one is, you know, when Jesus says here in Matthew 7, 5, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. I want to emphasize that he is saying that you've got to deal with yourself, but also be willing to help your brother. Like, don't just sit on the sideline. Don't let them go wayward and do whatever without holding them accountable. But in this idea of dealing with a critical spirit, do I need a handheld? You just tell me. No? Yes, keep going. Um, in this concept with a critical spirit, which you may be like, I don't know what that is. That sounds nasty. You know, is this like a Halloween message? Like, what's going on with a critical spirit? You know, it's like, well, um, a critical spirit is uh, when you're doing exactly what Jesus is saying not to do, Right? It's when you are accusing, it's when you are demeaning, it's when you are negative, it's when you're out to prove something that they are wrong, that they are in the wrong. And has anyone been on the receiving end of critical spirit in the last two years? If you haven't, you've had no human interaction, so I don't know what's wrong with you, okay? Computers don't criticize you, I don't think. They just fail you at times. But, um, but people, it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? I mean, was that just me or was that like 12 years of pain you just unloaded on me? And I just happened to be in the way. I had a few of those. I'm sure you did too, right? 
A critical spirit is literally coming to accuse, to attack, to whatever. But I mean, if we respond like David responds to Psalm 139, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's honestly coming before God, vulnerably before God and before I would say others. This is where the community piece comes in and say, hey, is there anything in me? I was told on Monday morning by Billy, our executive pastor, that our staff is going to do a 360 evaluation on me. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably time. That's probably time. Now, you don't get to do it on me yet, okay? But we're just going to start with the staff, baby steps, okay? And I was like, you know what? That's going to be good. And I was like, I hope they're really honest. You know, we're making anonymous. I, I, I told them we could, track, we could track their IP addresses, but um, I just kid. But... I mean, I hope they're really honest because if I'm worth my salt as a man, forget leader, a man, I want to get better. If you don't want to grow in your life, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, if I'm honest, like if you're not willing to receive some pushback, some accountability, some constructive correction, what are you doing? I would argue if you were unable to receive something from someone, I'm not talking about the nasty, critical spirit, demonic presence. Of, you know, I'm not talking about that, okay? All right, we're not, we're not going golem here, okay? We're not getting all weird. I just mean like, hey, dude, have you ever thought about not screaming at your kids at the restaurant? What do you think about that? That could actually have a larger impact on their lives and everybody at the restaurant. And, oh, dude, that's right. Why do we scream? Well, God says we need to love our kids and, you know, not screaming. So, you know, it's like, dude, I, you mind your own business. You're my kids. It's like, okay, dude. Like, there's a big log. There's actually two of them. There's just, uh, <laughs> right? And Jesus is not talking to people who aren't following him. This does not apply to non-Christians, to be clear. This does not apply to people who have rejected God. This is not what he's talking about. He's talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord who have said, yes to Jesus, I am in. I'm committed to following his way. Therefore, I'm opening myself up to the correction, to the discipline of the Lord, and that comes by way of community or my spouse or my kids. Guys, I've had my kids rebuke me. Seriously. You can't hide from your kids. But I, don't know, I know a lot of parents that would never listen to their children. And they've missed it. You've missed a golden opportunity to grow. And instead, you've snuffed out something that was helpful. My kids have come to us and said, Dad, you look really stressed right now and anxious right now, Dad. Why is that? I'm like, oh, man, not hiding it that well, you know? Or, Dad, what's that? Or what's wrong? Or... Dad, that really hurt my feelings. Like, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have done that. Do you understand me? Jesus is looking for a humility that could learn from a child. So if you want to know kind of a measuring stick for your life, can you receive from a peer? Can you receive from a child? Can you receive from an authority? Go to the checklist. Hey, my buddies, I'm cool with that. Iron sharpening iron, I'm all about that. Yeah, that sounds good. Brother, brother, we understand, we got it. Authority, no, sir. Mm -mm. They hurt me. Nope, authority, they're just bad dudes. They're demanding, they're all in my case. I can't trust them. 
okay, there might be something there you need to deal with. Sixth grade girlfriend issue, right? <laughs> but what if you're like, I don't need to listen to kids, dude. I'm way more mature. Why would I listen to an immature child? Well, I don't know. We're told to have childlike faith. And they've got a purity and innocence you don't have anymore. Because the world has messed you up. And me. I wish I could delete everything that I've experienced and seen in my life that was dark. I know Jesus washes it, but it's still there in the memory bank somewhat. Not all of it, some of it. Man, I want that innocence. So you've got to ask yourself, am I willing to be challenged in those ways? Lastly, you know, I'll just kind of talk about this for for a few minutes. Um, you may ask the question, you know, when is it good, when is it okay to judge? Okay. Well, Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit in Matthew 12. And when there are hidden issues of the heart or sinful issues of the heart that manifest or that reveal themselves in someone's behavior or their attitude or whatever, then I think there's a right place for us as believers, to step into that place and to talk with them about it, to not shame them, to do it in the right context, right? This isn't, this isn't sitting in life group and just pointing the finger and say, hey, let's go, let's have it out, buddy. I know what you did. I mean, who wants to do that? No, no, it's not, it's not with all the coworkers at the conference table. It's a pull aside. Hey, man, tell me about this. I've had to do that with some of our staff sometimes, guys, and they've done it with me. A pull aside after a meeting, hey, man, what you said that didn't sit right. What's going on? Right? And we deal with it. I don't, I don't have to take four weeks to pray about it or journal about it. I don't want to do that. I want to take five minutes to deal with it. You should too. Like, don't, don't let it linger. Like, there's something you see in a brother, sister in Christ. Man, call it out, but in a loving, respectful way. When you first said, let me deal with me, and then I'll go and talk to you, and I want my motives to be pure. I want, like I said about Christian, not that Christian does anything wrong, but if you ever did, I said, Christian Roos, hey man, I've thought this through the Lord, I've kind of come clean, but I feel like there's something here I want to speak into your life about because I love you, I believe in you, and I want you to be awesome. And so I'm just going to say it, because others may not be willing to, but I'm going to say what needs to be said. And so you take it to the Lord, I'm submitting it to you, I'm not lording it over you, demanding it, but I'm submitting it to you because I love you, and I want you to get good, right? I want you to get the goodness of God, I want you to go back in the narrow road, whatever it is for them. And just a reminder, whenever we go to someone and approach them, we talk about this kind of right judgment. I love what it says in Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Guys, we need to approach each other with kindness, not accusation, not criticism. But hey, man, I love you. But can I share this with you? Because... I want you to repent. If indeed there's something for you to repent for. I'm seeing something. I'm not God, I'm not perfect, but I'm your brother and I want to hold you accountable. And so you're willing to journey there. And you have to remember that whenever we approach someone, it is for their good. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. Kindness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too 
be tempted. So in summary, guys, I believe that the Lord is being clear here with us that we are not, one, we're not to judge those that are not followers of the way, that are not followers of Jesus. They're living by a different set of standards and values, which is the world's or another religion. You may not like it, so that's where you have the opportunity. Your response there is to share the gospel, share a message of hope, share your own story, right? And, but when it comes to the church and the brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's in this church body, another church body in town, or another pastor, leader, whatever, go to them in the right spirit, but make sure you've already checked yourself before you go to them. I'm just telling you, so much pain would have not happened the last two years if people would have applied this simple principle in Matthew 7. In the church, I'm just talking about the church. Just in the church alone. Just in the Antioch movement of churches alone. If people would have simply said, you know what? Before I go off judging, quick to judge, or just hold on. Before I fire off that email, right? It's like, did you actually take time to think or did you just think about all the ways you want to hate on me? We can't do that, guys. That's not Jesus-like. So when someone does that to you and they're professing Christian, yeah, you have the right to call them out in the right spirit, not in defense, not in, well, I'm gonna fight fire with fire, but not that. But hey, the way you came at me, uh, I don't know where that's coming from, but I'm willing to receive any correction, but I, I wanna speak into some places in your life as well. And they may not receive that well, but our response is to humility, is taking the low road, so they can be lifted up. Amen? All right, let's end our time here. Invite the band to come on up. And um, just here's how we're gonna end this morning, guys. I just, um, no went a little bit long this morning, but I just want you to stand this morning, and here's how we're gonna end. Um, you know, I shared my little silly story about sixth grade, and uh, that actually had a big impact on me for a number of years. And, you know, it was actually years later. I remember I was in um, just doing some prayer ministry. We have listening prayer ministry here at the church, and um, I was doing it with someone. And I remember it came up this this uh, this part of my life, and I realized I still just had this bitterness towards that kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, classic! I allowed this sixth grade immature boy to put a seed of bitterness in my side that I carried for at least 20 years. Now that's sad. <laughs> it is, I can admit it, that's embarrassing even. But you know what, we probably got something similar. There's something in there that then makes you want to judge someone from the very place of your own pain. And I remember for years, I was real harsh with people that I, thought ever got anywhere close to the line of gossip. Like I was like on a little mini crusade. If I smelled or heard a scent of what I thought could be considered gossip, I would cut off that relationship or I would call that person out in a nasty way because that's what I was hurt by. So instead of getting healing, I just made it worse and put thorns of bitterness in other people's sides. You see, that's the way it goes with Jesus. If you don't let him fully heal you and cleanse you, you end up 
being a weapon for the enemy, to hurt others. That's literally what you do. Like you end up are now weaponized to now do his bidding. When you see life like that, you realize, oh no, if I don't deal with my own pain and my own stuff, I am, not when, I am going to hurt a number of people, intentionally or not, in my life. That's why when we come on a Sunday morning and we preach a message about something and we invite you to meet with the prayer team or just by yourself to get right with God, that's what this is about. Like, that's why this next three or four minutes actually has a huge impact on your life. Because you can choose to deal with at least one thing that's been used as a weapon to judge and hurt others. But if you allow God to deal with it right now, to give him that pain or to confess that sin, that thing you've been hiding, whatever it is, it's all darkness. Then the light comes in. The healing takes place. Instead of you being weaponized for darkness, now you're an agent of healing. That's the seek first kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. So I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. We're just going to take just 30 seconds. Lord, I just ask right now that everyone watching and everyone in this room would just quiet our minds and our hearts and just to listen to you, Lord. Just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Lord, in the way we can understand and remind us of some pain. Remind us of maybe a log that is in our eye. Remind us of something that we need to deal with, really, either for the first time or again. And because it's still there, whatever size it is, it's hurting people and it's hurting us. So, Spirit of God, I ask for you to search it out, just as David cried out, search me and know me. Know our thoughts right now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. You would come and know our thoughts, discern it, reveal it to us so we can get free. Just whatever the Lord brings to mind, when he does bring something, all you've got to do is you can do it quietly, you can just do it in your heart, whatever, but just confess that thing to him and just talk to him about it. There's no tricky words. It's just... Jesus, this hurts. <laughs> or Jesus, wow, I've been an absolute jerk to that person. Whatever it is, just talk to him. The band's just going to play. Just talk to him. And let him come and be the healer that he is. In Jesus' name.